Welcome to the Rough Puffs. I'm your host, Andrea Bennett. And I'm Kim Fu, and we're on episode seven, Sweet Dough. Sweet Dough. So we were WhatsApping the other day or yesterday or the day before. We talk all the time on WhatsApp. I can't keep the day straight. <laughs> and you said something like, uh, I still don't have a firm handle on what the hell Enriched Dough is. In, okay, so in the show, they said that Enriched Dough is dough that has like milk and sugar and butter in it. Like it's not just flour and water well i mean you're pretty much right like your liquid ends up being like milk or all milk or part milk instead of water and then you're adding fat into the dough um and generally more sugar i usually when i'm baking like a lean dough like bread um i will have a little bit of sugar in there because i kind of like to have a touch of sweetness and it helps i think i don't know if it helps the yeast, I think, or maybe that's an old wise tale. So at okay, this point. you just said lean dough. Um, that was the other thing is like I'd never heard it called that until this, like until I looked up in rich dough and it was like, oh, you know, not lean dough. And I'm like, since <laughs> when do we call it lean dough? <laughs> well, I think we only call it lean dough when we're talking about it in this, con- or I only ever do when I'm talking about it in this context and I'm sort of split it to to differentiate. Because when I say bread, I mean lean dough generally. And if I mean like banana bread or taran chair loaf, I will say that and make it clear that what I'm making is an enriched dough. Banana bread is an enriched dough? I thought banana bread was a cake. So banana bread is, yeah, right. Banana bread is cake. Sorry. Just, okay. yeah, that, I, that I'm not helping you're not making making me less confused um the major difference other than those two other than the fact that enriched dough is quote-unquote enriched with more fat and sugar is um is that with lean dough you bake it at a high temperature like 425 to 450 Mm. um in the oven and uh you're looking to get a nice crust on the outside of it Lean or enriched dough, you're generally baking it at 350 or 375 because you generally don't want to have that crust and you want to have like a softer interior. You want to have a nice soft interior. You don't want to mm. have a big crust. And then in some uh, some enriched dough cases, you know, you, there's a lot of like butter in there. And so if you're turning, it might burn the butter or, or all the know. sugar, I would think too, would make it easier yeah. to burn. Yeah. So those are the main. I don't know. That's the main difference. But yeah, so this is a sweet dough episode. It's interesting because they, they're mainly baking, but they also do some frying. So yes. yeah. Yes. So um, how do you feel about sweet buns in general? I enjoy a sweet bun. For all of GBBO's bad mouthing of American pies a couple weeks ago, um, a lot of the bakers, four of the remaining seven bakers for the signature, which is uh, 24 yeasted sweet buns, they make, uh, they make Chelsea buns, which, um, which are a close relative of cinnamon buns or cinnamon rolls, um, which we love here in North America. <laughs> mm. The difference is that you roll like a cinnamon bun is like rolled and cinnamon sugar in the interior so that you get that sort of like caramelly cinnamony thing happening in the middle. Chelsea bun is it can have cinnamon but it's made with dried fruit in the center but that is still like it's a rolled bun that's pretty similar to dough wise to a cinnamon bun. 
I don't know. I think of just the, like, I mean, just the name, even Chelsea Buns sounds so quintessentially British, though, right? Yeah, it sounds fancier than a cinnamon bun. Not but... fa- not fancier, just more British. <laughs> like, to okay. me, those things aren't synonymous. <laughs> they're, they're all making, well, not all of them. Four of seven are making Chelsea Buns. Um, Brendan is making Chelsea Bunskies. Or do you remember what Mel calls his? Oh, she explains that they could be uh, bunchkovas or something like that. And yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't take it down though. I didn't write it down. I've heard, I've seen this episode so many times that I thought I would remember. And now that we're in the moment of recording, I don't. My thought at the time is that Bunskies was cuter. Like I liked it better. <laughs> it is cuter, and his like Chelsea Bunskies does make it onto the show as the name of the bun. They don't like reverse. Mm-hmm. They don't change it. So he does a poppy seed mix flavored with lemon, vanilla, and brandy liqueur. Mm. Um, And then Danny makes a Bakewell-inspired Chelsea bun flavored with sour cherries and almonds. Mm. And that sounds delicious. I love a Bakewell bun or Bakewell tart. Um, James makes Easter ones, which I don't totally understand what that means. Um, when I was a kid, you know hot cross buns? When I was a kid, mm-hmm. I always thought that the cross was going to be icing. Like, for some reason, every year, I was like, all right, icing bun, yes. And um, <laughs> it's just like a flour and water mixture that is made into a cross on the top of the bun. So that's disappointing. Mm-hmm. I don't totally understand what James is, like, what makes them Easter buns and why that's special. I don't know what he meant by that either. Like, I thought the distinctive thing about his was that they were whole wheat. And I was like, is Easter oh, a yeah. time of repentance when you don't get eat white flour? Does Lent <laughs> No, no, Easter. that was a joke. Absolutely not. Yeah, no, I know. But it's true that, like, Lent precedes Easter, right? Yes. Okay, because you have Mardi Gras, you have the Lenten period, and then you have Easter. Mm-hmm. Like, by the time Easter rolls back around, you're allowed to eat delicious things again, are you not? I guess. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. What it <laughs> like, it was just, it, it, his did sound healthy compared to the others, right? It was like the 70-30 whole wheat mi- flour mixture, but then also, he also had fruit, right? The, a Chelsea bun, I think, like, the main thing about a Chelsea bun, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be in a circle or, like, rolled. Mm-hmm. And it's also supposed to contain dried fruit. That's kind of like the thing that makes it a Chelsea bun. Ryan's were the most interesting to me. My favorite sweet enriched dough buns are the kind you get at like a Chinese or Hong Kong bakery. Um, and they're made the way Ryan made his. Like it's uh, like the, the large sugar topping is that's quintessentially what it is, right? That's They call it a pineapple bun or a Mexico bun. They look... They look beautiful. Um, when he's describing how he makes them, he has to make each bun individually, and he's, like, describing the points at which he's getting more lard into onto mm-hmm. his bun. Um, as, like, a, a mostly vegetarian person, I was like, yeah, great, lard. But then the judges love his so much. He gets a handshake, and he looks like he might cry. So I feel like I would like them. My aunt took a class to learn to make these buns. And she said when she found out how much lard went into each one, she kind of like, <laughs> was like, never mind. I'm never going to make them. I like can't handle it psychologically. <laughs> I'm just going to keep buying them. I feel a little bit like that about 
butter tarts. JP feels that way about uh, milk tea. Like he's unsettled by the amount of sugar that you have to go into it if you're making yourself. So he prefers to buy it bottled and not have to think about it. I, I think sometimes ignorance is bliss. Um, Catherine makes Lady Arendelle's manchet buns. They're rose water and milk bun. And she's going to split them and fill them with cream and jam. Catherine has done a lot of sort of like historical research about her buns and Paul keeps sort of talking over her and uh, sharing information that she was hoping to share and then and then also correcting her when she says that they're sort of like a type of Scottish type thing. And he's like not into that description. I really like Catherine in this episode. Um, I feel like she was sort of joshing with everybody and like talking back to the, the judges in that conversation in a way I really enjoyed. Um, she she smelled Brendan's uh, poppy seed citrus mixture and was like, ooh, I like that. She just like she was just like sort of strutting around with like a lot of confidence, uh, like just just from right from the jump in this one. And I really liked it. And like at one point she she dropped her buns during the signature on the oven door and she was like, ah, they're robust. It'll be fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And then and then during the judging, um, when when uh, Paul was pointing out that her color was kind of uneven, he called some of them burnt, which they weren't really. They were just kind of dark. And she was like, but yeah. just maybe a bit harsh, you know, like she just. Yeah. I don't know. She had attitude and I liked it. Paul is so strict about consistency. And I was thinking about it this morning when I was toasting a bagel in my toaster oven and half of the bagel that like literally went in at the same time as the other half, half of it was like slightly over toasted and the other half was not. And I was like, how do you even, all I'm doing is toasting something and it's inconsistent. Well, your elements die at different rates. In, in, the, yes. in the toaster. I know. And it, yeah, and it's not their oven and the humidity is different and they're in the tent. Um, From the signature, it really emerges that Brendan, Brendan's buns are good. And then Ryan's where the clear winner, he gets a handshake mm-hmm. um, for something called a lardy cake, which I would never, <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed that those would have been, that those would have taken the they show. They looked really simple, I thought, compared to the others. Um, even though I know they're my like favorite type of bun, um, they didn't, yeah, they weren't as, like, ornate as a lot of the others. Like, I thought Catherine's, like, looked really good um, with the, even, yeah, though even, did. yeah, even though Paul's, Paul was such a stickler for consistency. Mary warned them at the beginning that he would be. She did, yeah, he always is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember a previous season, or maybe it's a later season, What is Time, um, where it's another bun challenge, and, uh, the, the baker's buns end up looking like batch buns. Like they've spread so that they're touching. Oh, yeah. So that you have those like connective points. Mm-hmm. And it, that baker gets like docked marks. No, even though, yeah, I, in the real world, no one really mm-hmm. cares. We have not said anything about John. Is there anything to say about John? I think no. <laughs> <laughs> he forgets his almond extract and they're boring. Yeah, he he's a big downer like the whole time. He's like, what is wrong with them? He's like, I practiced this all week and like, I don't know why they're doing this. And then he's like, what is done is done and cannot be undone. And then, yeah. And then I did, I did like how Mary addressed the almond extract thing. Like they were talking about how it was bland. And then she said, you're like, did you add almond extract as well? And he said, no, I forgot. And she goes, well, there you are. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, all, that's all Mary yeah. has to do. She just sort of tilts her head. It's like, well, there you are. I like Mary. Um, so jam donuts for the technical, which is, I, I thought it was a good technical, really. Mm-hmm. Um, donut, donuts are delicious. Um, 
We have another history segment in this show. Yeah. Um, which is about the American Red Cross Donut Service Clubs and their donut dollies. Donut dollies, yeah. I cannot imagine a person more different from me than a World War II reenactor, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> There's like sort of very few things I would rather do less. And I like I'm not and I'm not opposed to LARPing. I think I would enjoy fantasy LARPing <laughs> or like I was going to say Renaissance fairs, but maybe not that. Maybe maybe just like fantasy world LARPing. Um, but yeah, it's like if you're going to pick a time, why would that be the time? Good question. I think out of curiosity, I might make sort of like ration recipes from time to time, like test them out to see what they're like, like classic ration recipes. Like what? Uh, like you mentioned on, on an earlier episode, a uh, potato fudge, and I feel like that has turned me off the whole concept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd try potato fudge. I would try, I mean, the classic American one is the sort of like Ritz cracker apple yeah, pie. Yeah, also, no. We've also thing. talked about how I'm against that. <laughs> I, I'm just, I am curious. And then, I, you know, I would probably just ask my, uh, my grandma Garcia was born in the mid-30s. And so she was like a kid during the war. My uh, maternal grandparents uh were born in the 20s and um my granddad enlisted when he was 17 and fought in the war and my nana was a bit younger anyway whatever i would just get family recipes from that time or ask my grandma garcia what she made and just like try to make it but yeah rationing in england lasted much longer than the war and it is was kind of one of rationing and no jobs was that was sort of the impetus for pretty much all of my grandparents to leave England and come to Canada eventually. So, but yeah, Donut Dolly, no, I do not want to, that, that does not sound like my idea of a good time on a Saturday or a Sunday. The rules that they laid out for the Donut Dollies that they like always had to be happy. They had to be like this specific definition of like good looking and well-groomed and charming and like always positive and smiling. And it just like that. And that was their role. I could, okay. I could imagine like given the limited options you have, it would be maybe more fun to be crossing a active war zone in a donut truck. Um, then like then, then to be sitting at home, I guess if if those were the options, but I don't know. I, but, like, yeah, role-playing that now, I really don't get. What do we want to say about donuts? Um, James says that the most satisfying thing in the world is to peel off a piece of dough and put it on the scale and have it weigh exactly what you want it to weigh. And I would agree with that. <laughs> James was very confident in this technical challenge. Um, he says he makes donuts all the time. Like, this is completely in his wheelhouse. He said if he did badly, it's like it would be... Like, then he would have had to really let himself down because he feels like he has a big advantage. And then he does win. Um, and then he says he feels sort of guilty. Like, he feels like he cheated. And um, yeah, something I realized when I was watching them fry their donuts is that I depend really heavily on, like, the, on the sound and the bubbles. Um, so watching on TV someone throw it in the, in the fryer when the mics don't pick up on those things. Uh, it made me feel like they were 
like psych, like just sort of psychologically, I felt like they were all just chucking it in cold oil because it didn't like hit and make a noise that I could recognize. And I could like go by that noise and be like, okay, it's too hot. It's too cold, whatever. I had the same concern that the oil was not hot enough when they were throwing the donuts in. I'm assuming that they were using uh, fryers that, that showed the temperature mm-hmm. on the side and that we just didn't see them and they're fine. But yeah, I'm used to yeah bubbles and sound, and we didn't get that, and I had the same concern. Um, my child is fully out of bed, and I need to go put her back to bed. Okay. She was very excited about all the talk of donuts. Oh, <laughs> putting on my headphones. Um, auto started. I have to find the window. Soothing ocean sounds. <laughs> so. Oh God. Tonight's going so smoothly. I'm amazed. So anyway, back to donuts. There are a lot of jam explosions, and the camera people on the episode do their darndest. It's like how they have to catch everyone pulling their bake out of the oven. They catch every single jam explosion (laughs) that happens as the jam oozes out of the sides of donuts. And I found that fascinating. At the very beginning, um, when they were showing Paul's perfect donuts, um, which by the way, his donuts did look really perfect, actually. I, they, you know, when, when they first cut into them, they look like 3D rendered. They were so perfect. You know, like the texture was so perfectly even. Um, but uh, Mary said, uh, absolute whopper. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, there's a lot of jam in there, is what she said. And so I feel like, that was like part of the standard that was set is like there was the sense like the the donuts have to be really jammy you know other like that you could mm-hmm. tell Paul was going to uh like was going to ream people out if there you know if there wasn't enough jam in the middle um so I'm not surprised that so many people like had a lot of trouble with that and that was another thing that James like that James is really good at uh Sue I think came around and told him he was the neatest of jam injectors and yeah he did a good job he had a clean uh jam syringe Mm. um on donuts i have made donuts before but interestingly so the bakers run into some like rawness in the center problems and they run into overproofing Mm -hmm. problems um when i make donuts at home i make uh timbits yeah and that solves literally all of those problems yeah i realized that like I'm sort of a lazy person. I realize this about gardening, too. I, my favorite tomatoes to grow... Well, I have two favorites, but one of the two favorites, they're sweet million tomatoes. They grow like weeds. They're super productive, and they're really disease-resistant. And when I grow eggplants in the Pacific Northwest, I grow a specific kind of eggplant that it still needs to be in a greenhouse, but it's way more... It's productive. So... I don't know. I like to choose the easy road. Why choose the hard road? I mean, that's not laziness. That's just efficiency. Yeah. (laughs) I want the donuts to be good when I eat them. And so not going to the bother of a giant donut. To me, that's like one of the skills of cooking, right? Is finding the most efficient path, right? To achieving like the same taste anyway. (laughs) That's a fair point. That's That's a kinder way of putting it. And I, and I actually feel like deep frying in general is challenging in that way. Like to me, it's very labor intensive and sort of wasteful. And so, and like, okay. And then, so I'm always trying to figure out how to reuse oil, right? It's like the order of the order yeah. in which to fry things so that I can use the oil as long as possible um, without it starting to Definitely. degrade. Um, and that's, yeah. And it's because like, I don't want to go through like straining and cleaning everything 
more times than I have to. <laughs> so it's like, it's not, yeah. And it's like, it's not laziness. It's effectiveness. This is true. Um, so Danny gets second place. Um, her donuts, Paul says, not bad at all. Mm-hmm. Basically something like that, which, and then Mary like does sort of like a Paul translation. Like that actually means yeah. good. Um, and then Sarah Jane is last and Ryan is second last. Ryan overproves and Sarah Jane's a raw. She has that problem quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, so James feels like he cheated Danny out of first place. Mm-hmm. If you were Danny, would you feel like you had been cheated out of first place? No, of course not. I feel like being a, a baker that has a variety of experience is part of the competition, right? And this is, you know. Yeah. I also, um, I had a thought this episode, though, that if all of these people ran a bakery, uh, the one I would probably go to would be Danny's. It, like, I would go to Danny's bakery. I feel like she has made the mo- like, consistently made the best things or, like, Everything she's made has been, like, good. Whereas I feel like other people have had higher highs, kind of. But no one has been as consistent as Danny in a way that, yeah, that I would be be her favorite customer. What about Brendan? Brendan is, makes consistently good bakes, but they're not things I like necessarily, is what I would say. Yeah. Um, He's, he's very successful in this competition, but what, like, not everything he makes, like, when I see it, I want to eat it in the same way that I do about Danny. Yeah, fair point. I I have a fondness for James, although it's true that maybe about a third of the things that he makes I don't want to eat. Yeah, I would say (laughs) I'm thinking about the like very wet um, uh, boiled dumpling cheese. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, boiled dumpling situation that we had last week or the week before. James, same as Brendan to me. It's like very successful in this competition, but they're just not my jam. Fair enough. Was that a pun on the jam donuts game? I'm going to say it is. It, it is, is now. now. <laughs> Do we have anything else to say about the technical before we move on to Andrea's baking corner? So the historical segment was like smack in the middle of the technical, weirdly. Um, and the whole time we were watching them make donuts, I was just kept thinking about Sue being saying 1.6 billion donuts. And like, and trying to sort of conceptualize that it's like donuts as grains of sand in the universe. I don't know. Okay. Um, Yeah. They bought enough flour to make 1.6 billion donuts, mm. which is, I've, you, you and I have both worked as fact checkers or you oversaw fact checking department at least. Anyway, saying they bought enough flour to make 1.6 billion donuts is not saying that they actually made 1.6 billion donuts. It's a workaround. And so now I want to know how many donuts they did make. But anyway, whatever. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 transfer loss you have to account for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I did I did actually enjoy that though. Like that's that that language said to me, oh good, they do have fact checkers. Someone was making them be precise. Yeah. Um. So Andrea's baking corner. Let's go. I made a sort of tear and share brioche this week. I was inspired by Catherine's showstopper. Um, Catherine makes a bonfire tear and share with cream cheese icing. She puts fudge in it and she puts butterscotch in it. So I made some adaptations. I went to my gluten-free baking book and I saw that there is something called monkey bread, um, which is a tear and share. And I saw that it was made in a bunt pan. And um, 
that you poured caramel over top of it. Mm. And so I essentially was like, I was like, well, that's pretty similar to uh, Catherine's in some ways. And Catherine uses vanilla fudge. And she needs her fudge and her butterscotch into her dough. Yes, I wanted to ask you about that, actually, because I, I read this recipe that you used, and that mm. was the step that struck me as very baffling. Like, I was trying to figure out how you incorporate chunks of fudge and chunks of butterscotch into a dough. This is sort of uh, spoiling the showstopper a bit, but... Um, Mary tells Catherine that she hasn't gotten good enough aeration, that her dough, that it's less now uh, like a bread than like a cake. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's in part because she needed, she had, she started with an enriched dough and then she needed extra fat sugar into it. Mm -hmm. And my sense is that it probably sort of spread throughout the loaf a little more and didn't allow it to get that good rise or I guess she probably did like a secondary rise Mm -hmm. so my cheat for this was to make this sort of monkey bread recipe and then I made chocolate fudge because I like chocolate and I I don't I there's to me there's like no point in eating vanilla fudge I'm wholly uninterested I agree with that and what I did was I made chunks of dough and I rolled them in cinnamon sugar I put them in a bundt pan and I put, um, after my first ring, I put, I tore up bits of fudge and I put them over top and then I made a second ring and I put that second bits of fudge over top mm. and then I poured caramel on that. It is <laughs> incredibly decadent, but my feeling was that that would allow the dough to rise properly and it wouldn't inhibit the crumb. And, so, um, wait, so the, the, you pour the caramel on while it's still raw, like before it was baked? Yeah, right before it goes into the oven. Um, that doesn't collapse so, it, like the weight and the heat? No. Um, I mean, you can you just sort of let it cool for a bit. And it is going right into the oven. Um, hmm. It probably affects your cook time. Anyway, it, it, I've, I've now made two of them. <laughs> I'll share the recipe for what I made online, like on the Rough Puffs um, website, uh, Dealey. <laughs> Do really well with words tonight. So you'll kind of see that the brioche dough recipe makes enough for like three, three of these things, or three mm. brioche loaves. Okay. And the fudge makes a bunch of fudge. And so... I made one, and then with the second sort of batch, I made brioche buns mm. for black bean burgers. And then with the thir- third that was remaining, uh, I just decided to make another tear and share. Because I had extra fudge. I was initially going to freeze the fudge, and then, hmm, why not? You guys must have really liked it then, right? If you made it a, a second time in like three days, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I made it on Sunday, and we're recording Tuesday. Yeah, we ate it, and now it's time for another batch. We've been eating it. We were eating it for breakfast. It's kind of like mm. an indulgent cinnamon rolly type of thing. The so I just saw the pictures right before we started recording, um, and it looks it looks incredibly decadent. Like it looks so like just covered and soaked in fudge and caramel. Like it, it's very <laughs> it's very. Uh, yeah. It's very tantalizing. My resistance to eating it for breakfast is that it just looks messy, though. Like, I feel like my hands and my face would be covered in caramel. 
I've been eating it with a fork. Mm. But the child has been emerging relatively unscathed. Well, yeah. So I think part of it is just because it's called a Terran chair. I'm imagining eating it with my hands. Um, and then my hands being incredibly sticky and that be, and then, you know, you know, when your hands get really, if you get really sticky at the top of the day, it's kind of in a way just going to live with you the rest of the day. Um, (laughs) But it did look, it did look really good. Like I would love to eat it. And the other thing is the theme of the showstopper um, is that it's a a celebration loaf, right? Um, And it's, it's called a Terran chair. And I was just wondering like, what is to you, what is the perfect occasion for a Terran chair? Breakfast in a pandemic? (laughs) I don't know. The Yeah, they talk about Christmas, Twelfth Night, and either Mel or Sue's birthday, Easter. Mm. Um, I think that the perfect... So it is the most delicious when it comes, when it's just fresh out of the oven. And then you let it kind of cool down for five minutes. So it's, it's a little bit tricky because it needs to rest for an hour and then bake for 45 minutes. Because I have a toddler, I can't really tell the toddler, like, okay, well, breakfast is in an hour and 45 yeah. minutes. So we, I made it the night before. I eat a little bit of it the night before when it's at its best. And then the next morning, kind of like warm it up in the oven for, or sorry, warm it up in the microwave for a second. But yeah, I sort of feel like it's nice to have celebratory foods um on any random sunday and then sort of on any time that you have sort of holiday time but for me i kind of feel like making something this indulgent uh during a week that kind of sucks is Mm. my favorite time to have something like this like well i've had three migraines in the past seven days and I wish I was independently wealthy. I'll make a Terran share. <laughs> if we can't have wealth, at least we can have fudge for breakfast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I get that. I think I, I agree with that. I am always telling people all the time to celebrate any win, like to make it concrete in some way. And I think that's a good point. Like having celebration foods for that is good. Uh, tonight we got takeout for dinner because this morning I fixed the sink that involved like dismantling the pipes which I have never done before um and life is so hard life is so endless life is migraines and clogged sinks you know like it's you have to (laughs) yeah you gotta you gotta take every take what you can get what was the takeout was it delicious it was it was a, a it's a Szechuan restaurant and they make a few things really, really well. And it's bizarre because everything else at this restaurant is not good. Um, oh. But they have like just like a couple house specialties that are amazing. And we just go there for that every time. I'm a creature of habit. I always order the same things from my favorite restaurants. So I am frustrated that everything else is not better at this place. I find it mysterious. Like they have this enormous menu and like two good dishes. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is going on back there? Like, they just, I don't know. I imagine that those two dishes are so popular. It's just, like, one guy who makes that and then one guy who makes everything else. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should tell them you're writing an article about the restaurant so you can ask them questions about how their process works. They get really low uh, health safety ratings. 
Uh, and I always worry okay, that... Okay, let's not go down that road then. Well, I always worry that they're going to get shut down for it one day. <laughs> like, one day they'll come. Oh, no. And, and in, in Washington State, they do it by smiley faces. So it's like... Which is... Oh, <laughs> so it's like an increasingly unhappy face, depending on oh, no. how the inspection went. And theirs oh, is gosh. kind of like... You know, it's like it's like it's gone from a straight line into like the first frown. They have like the first uh, level oh. frown. Oh gosh. So Celebration Loaf is their showstopper this week. Um they split the time for the loaf up into two segments. Like they have them stick around after the technical, which mm. the technical always seems kind of grueling, so in a way yes. it seems a bit mean. Yes. But they do it this way so that some of the bakers, if they so choose, can prove their dough overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, four of the seven, like four of the seven Chelsea buns, choose to prove overnight. Danny, um, James, John, Catherine. Uh, yes. Uh, but John, John's, he refrigerates his, and then he doesn't like the texture the next day mm-hmm. of his sponge, and he throws it out. Yes. Honestly, his sponge didn't look too bad to me. It just looked really cold. Um, so right before John's, before that happened, um, somebody else was talking about how, like, they were really careful to let theirs come to room temperature before they um, integrated it with the, the, the dough they were making right then um, because they were saying, like, the collision of temperatures would be the problem. And John yeah. actually does add it. And then, like, discovers oh. it's too cold. So he, he messed oh. up his new dough with the old dough and had to, like, bin the whole thing. Um, oh, I see. I didn't understand that issue. When it was just the cold dough, I was like, oh, I can, that's a solvable problem. My understanding was he took it out too late, like, in the process of the second day is the other thing. Like, the oh. other people, like, took theirs out immediately, let it come to room temperature so that it was, like, right. ready when they wanted to integrate it. And he kind of just, like, took it out too late, like, chucked it in and ruined his new dough. Oh. That's a bummer. Because I bake gluten-free, there are differences between gluten-full dough and gluten-free dough. They say in this segment that brioche needs to be cool before baking. Mm-hmm. That's very much true of the gluten, gluten-free gluten versions, that you have to chill, thoroughly chill the dough before, before it's pre-oven rest stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, John makes a marzipan stolen, which sounds like a tasty... Uh, tasty loaf. Mm-hmm. Brendan makes a 12 Apostles Black Forest stolen in a bunt tin. I like how Sue specifies that it's the Apostles minus Judas. Yeah. <laughs> Brian makes a charsu. well, they keep calling it charsu bao, but charsu bao loaf, but that, doesn't that just mean like bun loaf? Yeah, I mean, there's there's no there's no bao associated with it. It's just like, yeah. it's just charsu in bread. And I understand how he got there there's like three classic like chasu containers <laughs> at dim sum right mm-hmm. and one of them so one of them is is a steam bow and one of them is a flaky pastry and then one of them is a sweet and rich dough um and i felt like okay so he's thinking of those uh but it's not a it's not a loaf <laughs> um and yeah. it, it also like because it's it's like small buns that are like highly they're, they're very glossy, right? Like they're, they're coated in like an egg wash, presumably, but then also like a, like mm. a thinned honey kind of. Uh, so 
I understand how he was like thinking of those and then thinking like those look like those feel like a celebration. Um, I can, you know, now what if I just made them in a low form because that's the brief. But but then but then like if you do it in that format, then you're like it's like a loaf of milk bread with chasu in the middle, and it's like that's not yeah that's not that's not celebratory. <laughs> that's that's just lunch, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, it looks underwhelming. Yeah, and I was I was thinking of the steam bun version and Mm -hmm. just thinking like well baking in a loaf pan is like such a different it's going to produce like such a different like texture that's going to be weird Mm -hmm. but I wonder if if he had done the sort of sweet dough version as like a Terran chair where like each chunk that you roll up like had yeah the pork in the center of it like Mm -hmm. maybe that would have worked better I was excited about the concept uh like Mary Berry says like savory and then the pork itself is like tasty as heck Mm -hmm. so so yeah this underwhelming loaf at the end of it was a bit of a bummer yeah i think a terran share would have worked really well actually i think that's a really good idea yeah i mean so Catherine's terran share she does hers in a cake pan thing Mm -hmm. and i just really feel like um like bunt pan is how you get to like celebratory (laughs) (laughs) yeah brendan's Uh, Brendan's incredible yeah his is such a beautiful, I love the shape of his bunt pan. Mm-hmm. I just have a sort of like the standard groove, big groove, little groove yep. kind. But now I do want to get one like Brendan's. What was interesting about, is I had the exact same thought that Mary did before she ate it, where it was such like a, a beautiful dark color and then it held its shape so well and beautifully that I thought surely that must be too dry. Like for it to look so beautiful, it has to be too dry in texture. Um, and Mary said she thought the same thing, but then she ate it and it wasn't, it was like perfectly delicious and moist. Yeah. It was like cake, mm-hmm. um, more than bread, but, but, but delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, poor Sarah Jane, we talked uh, on the episode that like just aired, episode four about how she has led a sheltered life. Uh, yeah. Episode four, and that prior to episode four, what was the most thing, exciting? It was thing the she'd done the blitzing the train. Tra- yeah, taking the train alone. Right. Um, but it blitzing was blitzing and ready biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> so she challenges herself by braiding again, mm-hmm. and the concept. So she has dough, one that contains chocolate, one that contains cherry, and one marzipan, and and then she braids them together so that each sort of strand has its own flavor. Yeah. And I like that concept. Um, and she's trying to bring herself out of her, like, comfort zone. So I admire that. Yeah. She said she wanted to show that she'd grown and that she does really, like, like baking and like mm-hmm. learning. Um, you know, Sue says, like, are you asked her if she's a glutton for punishment, seeing her yeah. do that. <laughs> uh, and it's so um, sad. Like, it does, it, it splits. Uh, you know, they, they spread and split open, which is actually like a recurring problem for her. Uh, and then also it's, it's a very unappetizing color. Like it's extremely dark, um, on the, like the split far edges. Yeah. It's very dark. It's sort of like a pretzel. Yeah. But then it's also raw apparently when they like test the texture. I think she made it too, too big, too enriched and probably cooked it at too high a temperature. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't done that many braided breads, but, um, from what I understand, you get that sort of tearing thing happening if you haven't rested your dough long enough 
and or if you've braided too tightly i i mean i really don't know i've i've i don't think i've ever made a braided loaf um but that's the one that would be my guess from just watching her do it it did seem like she she braided it really tight like it looked very it looked really good before it went in the oven like because it was braided super tight is what i thought Mm -hmm. the braiding was very sharp in a way that made me think of like like when you braid your hair super tight do you know what i mean like the lines of the braid are really tight so yeah i would guess that's what happened for Sarah Jane. Um, have we talked about Danny ma- yet? She makes brioche a tete uh, to sit inside uh, a round uh, bun- pan shape yeah. loaf. Hers also looked really so. good. So I guess you're right. It, was, it is the bun pan people who really killed it. Because Danny and yeah. Brendan's both look great. <laughs> I do think braided loaves can... Uh, braided loaves are a celebration loaves. They certainly can be. Mm-hmm. Um, a ringed braided loaf is really nice too. Hmm. Oh gosh, there was, I don't fully understand. There is this sort of flavor of American Christian who now celebrates Passover. And a tweet went viral this past week because an American Christian woman had celebrated, had done a Passover Seder, uh, and you know, Traditionally, Passover is the time of when you're remembering the suffering of your ancestors, and that's why you have no, that's why you have no, nothing leavened. So this American Christian woman had made a challah, and then she had made it into like a cross for Jesus. This was which this was, was this week. I maybe it was last week. Well, no, because I was I, thinking I that this exact no ability to this exact thing happened. Like a few years ago, didn't it? The the hollow bread oh, as a cross. <laughs> I don't know. Oh gosh, there's um, well, this is way too far afield for this podcast. But um, uh, there's a the Christians that are super into eschatology, like end times mm. stuff, are mildly to moderately fixate, fixated on Israel mm. and yeah, and sort of like Judaism as a secondary thing. Because because their interest essentially stems in a desire to speed up the end times so that Jesus comes back. It's the type of, I don't know, it's like, it's like having a well-meaning neighbor who is awful, I think, is what it would be like. Like, they keep, like, they keep bringing you stuff you're allergic to. They're like, oh, I made you dinner. And it's like shellfish and you're very allergic to shellfish. That's how I conceive of, like, the, that brand of Christian's interest oh in i see i see okay um but anyway but so it doesn't surprise me that it's happening every single year yeah. <laughs> i really want to have whiskey agar now whiskey i really want, yeah. <laughs> i really want to <laughs> have wondering. whiskey jello cubes i think that would be extremely interesting yeah james is always doing interesting stuff and his interesting thing this episode is the whiskey jelly cubes, uh, which Mary says are over the top. And I love the moment where Sue and James, like, eat one. Yeah. <laughs> and they're both like, whew, yeah. that's boozy. Yeah. Yeah, Paul says, like, his actual bread doesn't have much flavor, right? Like, that he'd put too yeah. much into these these you know, florid touches, but it's like, I, yeah, I really came away wanting one. It's interesting. I was disappointed by that because in an earlier episode – there is another episode earlier this season 
where James brings his own like wild harvested yeast that he's had for eight years and yada yada. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it bummed me out that his bread was flavorless in this challenge. I don't know. I, I do feel like uh, like we've talked before about how emotional stability is the divider now. Um, and it's not skill anymore. And I feel like, I always feel like James will be fine. You know, um, I never, I was never worried about him because like, okay. So to me now, actually, uh, so in the end, Ryan and Sarah Jane go, um, John is the only one remaining who is emotionally unstable kind of, um, and who was in this episode in particular, actually, I feel like he was really emotionally volatile. He was often very upset with his bakes and the way things turned out. Um, he seemed like irritated with the cameras and the producers. Uh, like he, he, he and Ryan and Sarah Jane felt like emotionally unstable and Brendan, Catherine, Danny, and James felt very stable. Right. And then, and that sort of like mattered more at this point. So like, I didn't, James and Brendan like move so confidently. Like I just never worry about them sort of, you know, like they always yeah. feel like they, they know what they're doing and they like the things they're making. And, and it, it won't, well, I think Brendan would be really sad if he was sent home, but it it's not going to make or break their relationship with, like, baking, mm. kind of, like, because they're both, it's both just very much a part of their lives. Uh, Ryan said specifically that his, that this hasn't hurt his relationship with baking. Um, he was saying, like, at the very end when he gets sent home, he says, you know, that he thinks his wife will, like, a little bit relieved that he won't be messing up the kitchen constantly anymore and he's like but she's wrong <laughs> like I'm gonna keep yeah. baking just as much and that was yeah that was sweet and reassuring to me yeah it was nice I feel like everyone we have left will will always just sort of keep baking I, I do wonder actually if John will ever burn himself out I think it's yeah I think it's possible that John burns himself out I do think I do think he wants this so much. I think John really wants to win in a way that nobody else does, kind of. I feel like for everyone else, it would be, like, such a nice, like, feather in my cap, kind of, right? But for John, it would be, like, my life could be different if I win this and I prove it, you know? And that's just, like, kind of a scarier emotional place. I think, I suspect that Sarah Jane is said Sarah Jane says she's had to go home because she like likes being here she likes baking in the tent she likes being with everybody I kind of suspect she like doesn't want to go back to like her domestic drudgery kind of you know like that's what I was thinking about like it's so much more fun to like bake in a high pressure situation on tv than you know to do the laundry and help do your kids laundry yeah Yeah. (laughs) how old are her kids like none of them are old enough that they can have a chore that's laundry. They're all school aged, right? They wear uniforms. Uh, right. I think they probably could do their own laundry, but I also think like a vicar's wife probably has a lot of community pressures, right? Like you're probably being looked oh, yeah. at in a certain way and you have to uphold a certain image. Yeah, actually, I wonder how that factored into going on TV. Oh, that's a good question. Well, GBVO is very wholesome. It is. The most you get is a little bit of double entendre, like when John has a very unbuttoned shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, um, Sue and Mel did make some some bun jokes this time, I think. Like uh, yeah. like Sue had Sue told Brendan to get his hands off his buns at one point when the timer yeah. was. <laughs> Brendan is always so... Sue does kind of love to lightly rib Brendan, and Brendan... Mm-hmm 
always seems very much on the borderline of being offended. Yeah, actually, in this one, um, Paul and Sue came at him about the 70s or 80s thing. Uh, and he just, he like, he tried to sidestep the question entirely. Like, he's like, I'm not engaging with this. Uh, but they, they kept ripping him about it anyway. And then when they went to the talking heads, he was like, I think I'm a very good bridge between the 70s and today. Yeah. <laughs> uh marrying the 70s with a modern yeah. type of thing oh poor brendan i'm i am sad to see ryan and sarah jane go i did really i think they were the right people you know i did feel like they yeah. they did the worst this week and then also i feel like they were sort of the weaker bakers now in the remaining group but i really liked them both as like I, I, I really like them both, and I also just sort of like their dynamic with the group now. You know, they mm. they are starting to feel like they're all friends, and that, it, and then it makes it sad to see people go. Yeah, I wonder if Sarah Jane and Catherine remained friends, post, post show. I hope so. A lot of the seasons, pretty tight. They end with like photos of like, the bakers hanging out with each other yeah. after the show ends. So we might get to find out. Fingers crossed. Is there anything else you want to say about Sweet Dough? Um, oh, there was one thing I, I, I noticed this episode, and I wasn't sure if it was my imagination. Is it... They, there was an aerial shot of the judging tent in this one. And mm-hmm. do they normally have that, or is this the first time we've seen it? Like, I didn't realize the judging tent was so far away from everything else. Like, it was in its own, like, secluded location by the riverside with, like, a forest, you know, <laughs> between. <laughs> yeah, they've like, they've, like, checked it in a pasture. Yeah. I think that this is the first time I remember seeing that overhead shot. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe the production company, like, just bought a drone or something. <laughs> yeah. I did have a good sense of how far, like, the big main house was at away f- from the marquee mm. um in particular after because they all they're always walking over that bridge yeah. to get to the tent yeah and there is that time when uh john hacks his finger off that yes um that they that they walk over there yeah. i was thinking about john's finger when all the jam explosions were happening i have to say <laughs> all right um do you want to say your name i'm andrea bennett and I'm Kim Fu. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Rough Puffs or on Instagram at The Rough Puffs. Uh, on Twitter, you we often have polls about what Andrea should bake. Uh, they decided on the tear and share for this week, uh, so make sure you take part in the next one. The next one's really exciting, but it's not a poll first. But the next thing I'm baking is really exciting. I bought things off the internet to make it. Ooh, you should write them off on your taxes. I, I stand by that. <laughs> to call the CRA. Yeah. All right, Kim, well, it's time to stop loafing around. Uh. <laughs> that was good. It was perfect. <laughs> I, I think the reason why I like it may be grown is just because it's like we have been working extremely hard the last hour, Andrea. I have not been loafing. <laughs> I resent the implication. <laughs>